Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Well, thanks to a um, long World Series that didn't go necessarily the way that we wanted it to go. However, one of us predicted the way it would go. And one did not. So welcome back to uh, Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We did take last week off just um, just because we wanted to get the World Series finished so we could just talk about it in its entirety instead of just a couple of games and then having to pick it up from here. And it just seemed better. Yes, we didn't want to have a to-be-continued episode. No, aren't they all, though, really, when you think I about it? I guess so. Yeah, they are. Because we've always, I mean, I guess this one isn't really, because we're almost at the, this is the penultimate episode of this season, season three of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. So are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's go to the map. All right. We start out in Houston where games one and two were taking place at the juice box. In normal fashion for the Asterix, they chose not to win another game. First game of, and it's the first one they lost in this playoffs season. But they haven't won a first game of a World Series ever. Yeah, it, and they went with somebody who has not had not won a World Series game in Justin Verlander. And that would not change. No, it did not. Well, not yet, anyway. Uh, Phillies, um, who looked really good in this and got a lot of people excited and that they were on their way to uh, upsetting the favorite with a 65 victory. Yeah, in Zinnings, no less. Exciting first game. JT Riamuto with the go-ahead home run in the 10th. Looks great. You had Aaron Nola on the mound for the Phillies. Four and a third innings. Gives up six hits, five runs, two walks. Five strikeouts did give up two home runs, and those two home runs were to your favorite, Kyle Tucker. Who I had picked as a potential, uh, potentially be the MVP. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong there. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people were probably wrong on that MVP pick, maybe, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so it's exciting. You've got the Phillies. They win 6-5 to five in Houston. And you're thinking, this is it. They are on their way. We get to game two. Zach Wheeler's on the mound. Fromber Valdez is on the mound for Houston. And the Phillies lose. Well, they were dealing with Fromber. True, and... Some of the things that came out after he was on the mound was he was rubbing the baseball a little too much. There were some probably more conspiracy theories out there, but there was a lot of video out there of him 
he's very sweaty, I guess, when he pitches. I guess he does this all the time throughout the whole season. Um, but it's the asterisk. So there's always well, going to be somebody looking for something. Two things happened that got everybody on. Are they cheating again? The cheat strobes. And they just, it's something they got to deal with um, forever. Yeah. Even when these guys, these guys better hope none of their kids play for the Astros because they'll be like, oh, Altuve taught his son how to, how to cheat Bregman or Guriel, whatever, you know, there's going to be a lot of that forever. So, um, Martin Maldonado was using a bat that T.O. Albert gave him when they played together with the Angels. And he'd been using it, but that bat had been outlawed, but grandfathered in for players who had been using it well before that. And he had given him that bat, you know, sometime when they played together. And uh, you probably he probably didn't know. Maldonado probably didn't know. And I would be like, oh, that's how it's going. If Bregman, Altuve, you know, somebody like that comes up to bat with it. But Martin Maldonado, who's lucky to hit 200. I think you almost let him use it. Just why not? What's he going to do? Well, I think with that bat, he had two hits. And then after they figured out, oh, yeah, you can't use that, then he went back to no hits. Or <laughs> so. What's the magic of Tio Alberto's bat? Right. And he did come out and say, I was, you know, I used it. And it was kind of like a tribute to Albert Poolhalls, who's retiring. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. He was cheating, right? That's the whole point. The question is, though, was that something that came down and was that a big deal? That's not enough. No, it's not trash can pounding. It's not right. electronic surveillance. It's not buzzers. And I don't care whether they can prove it or not. Jose Altuve, the, the tiny one, was hiding that at one point. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah, the bat for Maldonado, that's not a big deal. And then, of course, Framber Valdez, I, you know, I saw him pitch a few times. I never paid a close attention to if he was rubbing his hand or not, but it was on his glove hand. So people would say, see, but it still would get on his hand if he was really had something on there. And um, and they check at least that hand. Maybe they're not checking the other stuff, but they check that and it would still be on there, even if he's wiping it off on his pants or whatever. And they try to show that. But that's what happens when you've cheated in the past. Right. You're, people are always going to be looking for something. I will always be looking <laughs> for something. <laughs> I will never look down because then I might see the tiny one. If I continue looking forward, I could just walk right over top of him and never know he was there. That's it. Uh, well, uh, Robert Valdez, regardless of what he was doing, uh, struck out nine, uh, just gave up one run over six and a third innings and Zach Wheeler, not, not a good game. Did not throw five all. innings, but he gave up five runs, gave up a home run, only struck out three, but he also walked three. 
gave up six hits and well the bullpen bullpen only gave up one hit after that but the damage was done and the uh the fills scored two total runs in that game uh, couldn't get anything going and that was the uh, the end of their time in Houston to start everything off. Yeah, so they head to Philadelphia. You think it's going to be a really raucous night, Halloween, and it rains. So we are postponed for that game, and they come back and play the next game. Lance McCullers Jr. is on the mound. And the Phillies figure him out. In a big way. Huge. Huge, you say. And some people were coming out and saying, oh, the Phillies are cheating. What are they doing? No, they're just paying attention. Because it was Bryce Harper who whispered to Alec Bohm, watch this. And then... He did, and he hit a home run. And they ended up hitting seven home runs, five of those off of Lance McCullers Jr. Sometimes, you know, pitchers tip their pitches or they do something, you catch it. That's not a problem. The problem is, is when you have somebody in a video room or in another place letting you know what's coming. These guys figured him out. And they took advantage of it. Five home runs there uh, to germ up seven runs. The On the other side, the Asterisks never figured out Ranger Suarez over the five innings he pitched. He only gave up three hits, no runs, struck out four, just allowed one base runner. Uh, I mean, uh, four base runners, but one by walk, the three by hits. And once again, the... Uh, the bullpen shut them down. Uh, no runs scored. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting watching the video of McCullers and the way where his leg, you know, but it, the leg position, right? Mm-hmm. So that you would pick that up and they picked it up really quickly. And like I said, that allowed, you know, Harper, Hoskins, Marsh, uh, Bohm, Schwarber, all to uh, hit those home runs. But again, that's just, that's not cheating. That's just being observant. To be a student of the game, to sit up there at the rail instead of sitting back looking in an iPad, that's how you find those things out. What they saw McCullers doing, they weren't going to see by looking at their own movements in the box. Yeah. Yes, I thought that was smart baseball. The yes. Phillies played really smart baseball, seven to nothing. And you're thinking, I mean, the crowd, in fact, at that game, the crowd was so loud that at the University of Pennsylvania, their seismic research, their seismic, uh, the noise was setting off their s- detector. The seismographs? Yeah, because it was so loud. So I'm thinking Phillies won in Houston. The Astros won. So they come into Philly. They're 1-1. But then the Phillies win this huge game. Crowd is behind them. This is it. This is going to be the Phillies to lose. 
Right. It looked like they were right on it. And, um, well, next night, with 45,693 in the ballpark, they uh, had wished that they'd have saved some of those home runs for that game. The Asterix didn't hit any home runs. A couple of well-placed doubles, a sacrifice fly, but uh, no home runs. They still walk away with a 5-0 victory. Aaron Nola, not pitching well this time around. No. Christian Javier, on the other hand, looked really good. Yeah, they come up, the uh, the Astros come up with a combined no-hitter. Right. First Four. time in World Series history. Uh, four pitchers, like I said, Christian Javier, who went the first six, struck out nine, then Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and their closer, Ryan Presley, finished things up and uh, no hit them. Like you said, uh, three walks on the night. That's it. And uh, Phillies couldn't do anything about it. So now it's all even. It is all even. So we know it's going to go back to Houston. But what position are the Phillies going to put themselves in going back? And the thing about, you know, with the the Phillies getting no hit, I mean, they just could not figure figure the figure the pitchers out, any of them. Um, but what are they going to do to get that crowd back into the game, keep them in the game? That's what they needed to do. So we go to the next game. They did not do that. Nope. But another full house, as you would expect, for a World Series game. Game took almost four hours to play. You had uh, Justin Verlander uh, back on the mound for the Asterix and Noah Syndergaard, Thor, starting this one. Uh, Verlander throws five innings, qualifies for the win. Uh, four hits, uh, one run given up, strikes out six. Also gave up a home run in that game. Uh, Syndergaard, basically when he's pitching, it's become it became um, a bullpen game pretty much because he wasn't going to go that deep. Uh, three innings, gave up three hits and two runs, one of those being a home run, struck out four, but didn't walk anybody. It was uh, Dominguez, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who gave up the other run. So uh, the Asterix end up with three, and the Phillies only grab two runs. Uh, that was a home run by Kyle Schwarber to start everything off. Of course, we forgot to mention in game one of the World Series, Kyle Schwarber got everybody a taco. That's right. Yes, totally forgot about that. The most unlikely base dealer, Kyle Schwarber. Well, I mentioned on the last episode that I had read a couple people said they were putting their money on Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. I don't see it, but of course, uh, good what thing I didn't know? put money down on, it, on anything. On him to do it. Yep. So uh, no, not didn't happen. Uh, pack up their things and head west back to the juice box. You know, I mean, the Phillies still have a chance to push this to seven games and beat the Asterix, but they got to do it in seven games. So that means they're going to really have to put it together for 
game six. In game six, we saw the matchup was Zach Wheeler versus Framber Valdez. And, you know, we were talking earlier about all the stuff with him, you know, everybody talking about maybe him cheating and people asked and, and um, Rob Thompson, the uh, manager of the Philly said, we've seen in the tapes that he does that all the time. There is nothing. This is much ado about nothing. So the Phillies didn't care about it. They didn't yeah. suspect that that meant anything. They just weren't having a good time. Uh, Zach Wheeler, five and a third innings, gives up th- two runs on three hits, strikes out five. Uh, Jose Alvarado replaces him, gives up another two runs. Well, see, this is the thing is during that game, Zach Wheeler didn't look bad. He actually looked pretty good he looked settled he was set he was settled in right and he, i think he could have gone a lot longer they bring in alvarado to face your down alvarez who promptly hits a three-run home run because of the matchup and to me you're in the world series I, we're not doing matchups you're keeping your pitcher in who is looking good because I'm pretty sure that he, Zach Wheeler, could have he could have given up the home run, but at the same time he could have gotten him out. They'd already, you know. And the thing is, they say, oh well, you know, third time round, you hear hear that. Oh, they've seen these guys from the bullpen. Well, okay. Why don't you keep Zach Wheeler? And I felt like Dave Roberts had somehow become he was in the dugout he's a role model for all of these guys actually the front office is and they 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 and that's the thing i don't feel like they ever learn from these mistakes they'll blame rob thompson well rob had the right to do whatever he wanted to do we didn't we didn't tell him he couldn't do that or he could but if you go right across the field if Dusty Baker, because Dusty hasn't been playing the analytics game the same way that a lot of managers have been, if that was the situation and Dusty felt like Zach was his pitcher and was still going well, or if Romber was in that and he felt Romber's still going well, I'm not going to pull him, match up, be damned, he wouldn't have done it. And it would have been on him if it worked or didn't work, but he wouldn't have done it because the numbers said he would have played, he plays by feel. Right. He's like the pinball wizard. He doesn't have to see it. He doesn't have to hear it. He doesn't have to, you know, uh, he can't yell about it. He just knows. He just knows. And that's when you're in the World Series, we're not doing it. I just feel like you're throw the analytics out the window. This is the World Series. And why would you pull Zach Wheeler out at that moment? Because you think Alvarado's coming in. Oh, that's the best matchup. I don't care about matchups. This isn't like, this isn't, this should be like Major League. Remember in Major League, the movie, and um, the one guy from the Yankees has been killing Charlie Sheen's character, um, you know, and and the, the manager's like, you know, eh, give me Vaughn. And even the catcher's like, you sure you want to go with Vaughn? Eh, I got a feeling he's due. Not well, you know, the numbers say this yeah. is it. No, my starter is falling apart. 
And this guy has a chip on his shoulder. I think he's due and it works out. Sometimes, you know. I mean, we don't know. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, just like in this case, it didn't. No, it didn't work out. And built spectacularly. (laughs) It did. And the Phillies end up, you know, losing four to one and losing the World Series. Now, I picked the asterisks in six. You did. And, you know, not to not to brag or anything, because honestly, I'd help. I called up MLB offices and I asked to talk to Rob Manfred. And I said, is there any way I could get a peek at the script, how this is going to play out? And he's like, no, no, I can't do that. I said, you know what? I'm I'm dying. I may not be alive for the World Series. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> and then I used it to my, uh, yeah. So the script said six game. And so. There you go. Well, I almost feel like MLB was pulling for the Astros because immediately after they win there's talk of are they a dynasty this is their second world series this is not their second world series this is their first legitimate world series win so in my book they've won one and they cheated on the other and they and uh, manfred let them off and you know that's, that's the not thing a dynasty that i think everybody is um is still fired up about with the asterisks is that there was no consequences for them for their actions. They admitted to it, but they got immunity. And even to this day, after the game, uh, Jim Crane, who is the, who owns the, you know, the president of the, the Astros, I guess he's the owner. He still is saying, well, we weren't the only ones cheating. Now, if we're going to go by how dynasties work, the the Dodgers have made more playoffs than any other team, and certainly more than the Asterix. They got cheated out of that one, potentially. I mean, they still could have blown it, but we'll never know. And now, you know, a lot of people are going, well, at least now the Asterix have a legitimate title. Only the Dodgers have a non-legitimate title because a lot of people still have issues with uh, the 2020 World Series. And I get where they're coming from when people have good arguments. People are just Dodger haters. That's a whole different thing. But I get the differences. Well, there was this and there was that. And yes, it was a different season, but they still played the whole season. And it was probably more challenging in other ways. But bottom line is, Asterix walk away with their first title. Uh, Jeremy Pena who was the ALCS MVP, bats 400, um, and uh, three RBIs, a home run, uh, 10 hits in the World Series to walk away with the World Series MVP as well. Uh, the tiny one actually had a good World Series. Batted yeah, 308. He yeah, he was able to shake off whatever his slump was. I also noticed... Fox doing this. This is on a different note, but it really bugged me. They would show the celebrities in the crowd. This was in Philadelphia. 
You had Miles Teller, who's an actor. You had Tim McGraw wearing his dad's, you know, Tug McGraw's jersey. Uh, you had he won a World Series in Philly. Yes. Um, you had Rob uh, McElhaney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And, you know, actors. You had all these people there. And then they always showed Kate Upton. And they have Kate, like, who cares? She's married to Justin Verlander. Of course, she's going to be there. She doesn't always have to be shown with the rest of the celebrities or whoever they are. And every single time, they always had to show her. And it just drove me nuts. Because I'm like, she's just a baseball wife at this point. That's why she's there. Not because she's from, you know, she's just there. Who cares? I don't know. That was just one of my things. And then also the combined no-hitter. They made such a big deal about it. It's a combined no-hitter. It is not the same, and it is not in the same category as Don Larson's 1956 no-hitter. Perfect, perfect game. game. Don't, yes. don't, don't diminish it now. No, it I'm not diminished. I, I said it, the but then perfect. One. Yes, perfect game. So it's almost like, yes, this happened, but they're like, and it, it joins Don Larson. No, it doesn't. It does not join him. It is not even close. It took four pitchers. So what's the problem? Was the pitcher good? Were the pitchers good? Obviously they were, but were the Phillies just bad? I don't know. Or a combination thereof. Yeah, and then in the last game, the Phillies were just swinging at whole bad pitches. Like they had no game plan. It's like they forgot what they're. I felt like I was watching the Dodgers play the Padres. Well, you know, that last at bat, Nick Castellanos comes up and he was one who I thought could be both of my choices, Kyle Tucker and, and Castellanos, both batted under 200. Uh, Tucker was at 190, I think. Uh, Castellanos batted 125. And his series really looked like his last at bat, the final out of the game. He reached out first pitch on it. Maybe he was just like, you know, in this, let's get over. We're done. Um, but he reached out across the plate on a ball that would have been a ball mm -hmm. and uh, kind of hit a soft little liner, you know, pop up. And he ended up ending uh, the Phillies chances right there and uh, well, helping. How Nash. about Kyle Schwarber with like a bunt? Oh. And <laughs> what was that about? Good question. I, and that's why I just thought, what is happening? You know, you, the problem was, is that Phillies had to win those three games in Philadelphia. You get the crowd involved. You get you let them become part of that game, but they didn't. And the Astros found that, like, if you get the crowd out of it, then it's like they cut the Phillies hair, you know, like Samson. They mm -hmm. cut their hair and they're, they can't hit. They can't, they can't do anything. Well, overall there was a, it wasn't like, I think that what happened with the Phillies was they got so fired up and hyped up and they kind of, they, they just overdid it versus the Padres, which they had to do to get past there, but they couldn't hold that. And if we go back and we look at um, 
at their series with the dregs, you'll see that a lot of players hit much better. Alex, Alec Bohm uh, hit 286. He was, he led in batting average. Nobody batted over 300. Um, Bryce Harper was right at 200. He wasn't able to, to really carry the load like he did before. He only had two RBIs in this game. Uh, you know, he had, uh, he had the one home run and one double, four total hits. Uh, Kyle Schwarber batted 250. Brandon Marsh was at 231. Uh, Real Muto, after that, Real Muto, Segura, Castellanos, Bryce Hoskins, all 167 and under. Hoskins was at 120. Yeah. Yeah, they lost, they, yeah, they lost their steam. So, you know, not what I obviously was rooting for the Phillies. Uh, so all I can say is congratulations to Dusty Baker for finally winning a World Series as a manager. Yeah, he finally was able to do it. A uh, few other chances. He's taken other teams to the World Series and just not been able to get the job done. And uh, they even talked about it. Um, and Dusty brought it up to the team after they were back in celebrating. And, uh, you know, said he had to address it. He was worried. Game six has been his downfall in all the other ones. Uh, you know, 2002, it was versus the Angels. I remember that one the most. But, you know, other times, even with the Giants, uh, they got there with the Giants, uh, you know, with the Cubs, I think. Um, but he gets to the World Series. And then uh, it's a game six and things go sideman sideways. Oh, he was the manager of the, st at the Steve of the Steve Bartman game. Right. Remember oh that? yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. And that was yeah. a game six. Yeah. So yeah. Congrats to, to Dusty. Um, you know, I mean, there were those moments when you were for sure that the, um, the asterisks, uh, had met their match. And honestly, the Phillies weren't that much. It wasn't that much of a mismatch between the two. So, you know, so the, the asterisks get that. And um, I was listening to MLB radio and people are already picking them to win next year. Of course. And a lot of it is that their team is pretty much intact. And even if Justin Verlander, who is a free agent now, were to sign elsewhere, it doesn't really change what they have. Well, and you look at their their rotation, the best pitcher on their rotation is uh, Christian Javier. Um, I mean, you have Fronder, Fromber Valdez, you have Justin Verlander, but it's Christian Javier who's throughout the whole season is right. the top of the rotation. So, yeah, I mean, and Dusty will be back. Um, for another season also. You know, Christian Javier had a zero ERA over his six innings in the World Series. Fromber Valdez threw 12 total innings with a 1.46 ERA. So that tells you a lot right there. Uh, McCullers was really the one that had the worst. Verlander, 5.40. McCullers, 14.54 ERA. Um over his uh, his four and a third. 
So, you know, from that standpoint, their bullpen looked really good, um, you know, and they had, you know, when you're playing these series, even a seven game series, you know, being able to, you know, not have to necessarily depend on a five man rotation. And if two of your guys are on, then you got it made. It was, it was good for them. Uh, you know, pitching wise for the, um, for the Phillies, uh, Aaron Nola, who had looked pretty good most of the time, ends up the, in the World Series with an 8.64 ERA. Zach Wheeler at 5.23. But when you look at most of their bullpen, and then, of course, Ranger Suarez, it's zeros. They're, they had zero earned runs. Yeah, I, I, it was a good series. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, um, matchup-wise, a good matchup. It was the second lowest watched World Series. Uh, and again, it could be because of the teams. You know, you have Philly and then, of course, you have the Asterisks. And they're never going to get away from being tainted. And uh, also, Game 6 was up against college football. And that's a tough one. Uh, another tough thing was that the city of Philadelphia lost not just one title that day, but two. They took a double shot as their MLS team uh, lost to the L.A. Football Club. Who yes. won their first one. So L.A. did end up with a championship, just not the team we thought. Yeah, just on the pitch this time. Yes, it was on the pitch, wearing their kits. Uh, that's a wrap for, you know, this season. Um, it, it was, and like I said, in moments, uh, the, uh, the world series had some exciting moments. And I think that the, the Phillies really were the cause of the exciting moments by the way that they played throughout. Um, and because they were the underdog and they came out there strong, you're like, Oh, are they going to beat the mighty Astros? Well, no, no, but not this time. Have. They could have. Yeah, and everybody loves the underdog. You know, you just root for root for them. They're the we talked about this. They're the blue collar. The Astros were the white collar. You vote for you know you root for the blue collar. And this time, I guess it didn't they just weren't out. hyped up enough on cheesesteaks. I, I I think that was the problem. They really needed, you know, daily doses. They needed them in the dugout. Right. With the cheese whiz, just, you know, when somebody got a home run, they just put cheese whiz. Like, hey. Yeah, that would have been it. That would have been good. I like that idea. So that's it. Um, You know, here's the cool thing. Season's over. So the asterisks have a couple of months to, uh, to celebrate. And come February, about the middle of February, it doesn't matter anymore that they got a piece of metal, their second piece of metal, um, because it's really irrelevant, according to the commissioner of the sport who hands out the piece of metal. But uh, come February, everybody's back at zero. But as you said, it's, it's, it's anybody's game. You know, see where everybody is. They all start at zero. And the conspiracy theories will continue. We will always look for ways that they are cheating, especially the tiny one. 
One thing that happened that uh, put a wrap uh, that happened during the World Series, and we're always wondering. This is this is one that is always a surprise when they finally announce it, and that is the winner of the Roberto Clemente Award, which ensured at least one Dodger made it to the World Series. Because this year's award, uh, Roberto Clemente uh, Humanitarian Award, went to Justin Turner. Yay! Yes! We finally found out. Like, after months of speculation, when is it going to be announced? It was, um, he was honored, he was presented the award in Philadelphia um, as it was announced. And then when he was in Philadelphia, they did some... Uh, I think they went to like a boys and girls club or to a, a police athletic league and uh, did some painting, you know, uh, spruced up a room, a game room or something. So he was doing service in Philadelphia and has done so much service in Los Angeles and the greater, you know, in the in the Southland there. So, yeah, congratulations to Justin Turner and, and his wife, because they both um, are. She's just as involved or more involved in some ways, depending. Yeah. So very cool. So, yeah. So that was a cool one to see. And it kind of snuck up. It was ad-libbed. Apparently, because when I read the script, it didn't say that they were going to announce it. Um, They're like, oh, oh, you know what? We forgot. We got to we got to announce this award. Yeah, we better get that out of the way or it's going to be um it's going to be forgotten. Yeah. Like we've done in the past. We are now in the award season fully. We uh we're finding out who is who the nominees are for the big awards. Uh I know that the IBWAA has been announcing this week So we'll bring those all, we'll just announce all of them next week, as we typically do the last episode of the season. We'll talk about all the award winners. So next week we'll do that. We'll also talk about, uh, you know, what's happening with the Dodgers, the Angels, what to expect, if there's any, you know, uh, movement on anything, any announcements. Uh, There have been a couple of players. There There was a trade this week. Uh, between a couple of teams and then uh, another team signed a player. So we'll go through all that. Plus there's some uh, new managers who have already been hired. So we'll talk about all that next week. But right now let's talk about the gold gloves, or as you like to say, the golden gloves. Yes. Is it because you were such a big fan of the golden girls? It could be. I always, that's you go around, you know, stay golden. That's no, that's pony boy. (laughs) Stay golden, <laughs> pony boy. Yes, but now you can get a shirt with the Golden Girls that says "Stay Golden." So they have taken that over from, you know, from Pony Boy. They they stole it from a they, literary from work? the outsiders. <laughs> what? Yes, what? I know. I'm thoroughly disappointed in that. Well, I don't know. I. Uh, Golden, Golden Globes, Golden Gloves. Um, there yeah, is but Golden there, Gloves is usually boxing. Or boxing, I know. I don't know. It's just something, I, I don't know. Yes, Gold Glove Award winners. 
Uh, there are 20 winners overall, and this year, 14 received a gold glove for the first time, and only two players who won last year got the award again. And there were five teams that had multiple winners with the uh, AL Central winning Guardians leading the pack. They had four. And, uh, you know, Cleveland ranked fourth in the majors and turning balls and in play into outs. And uh, they were just a good defensive group. So that's why there were four of them. So, All right, well, yeah. let's start with the Dorothy Zobernak Award. <laughs> Before we move on to the Rose Nyland, the Blanche Devereaux, and uh, Sophia Patrio Awards. Um, All right. As, uh, as we talk about the Golden Girls, I, I'm sorry, the Golden Gloves <laughs> Awards. Where do you want to start? You want to start with uh, catchers? You want to start with pitchers? Where do you want to go? Well, let's start with First the American. Base. Let's start with the American League. And let's talk about the pitcher. Okay. From the Guardians, his first career selection, Shane Bieber. Nice. He beat out Jose Barrios from the Blue Jays and Jameson Tyon from the Yankees. Catcher. From the Yankees, first career selection, Jose Trevino. Uh, Cal Raleigh and Sean Murphy, both of the AL West, one of the Mariners, one from the Athletics, were beat out by Jose Trevino. And this one, first career selection, Mr. Blue Jay. I don't know if he's Mr. Blue Jay, but I'm going to call would be him that. Joe Carter. I. <laughs> That's true. That would be Joe Carter, and deservingly so. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who beat out uh, Luis Arise from the Twins and Tony Rizzo from the Yankees. Why doesn't he go by Tony? Tony Rizzo. I don't know. I wondered that about, like, Anthony Rendon. Oh, yeah. Who I oh. have to, I you know, I got to check and see because we just had all the elections and stuff, and Anthony Rendon is... Um, I think he's the Speaker of the House for the California State Assembly. Yeah, I think that is right. I've heard that that name. All right, second base. Beating out Jonathan Scoop and Marcus Simeon, another guardian. You have to say Andres Jimenez. <laughs> winning his I, first. I he was shaking it up a little bit. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you shook it up. Problem was, is I wasn't picking up what you were putting down there. <laughs> yeah, Andres uh, Jimenez, Guardians, first career selection at second base. Um, there, yeah, there's your Guardians there. You got uh, third base, an Oriole. Nice. Ramon Urias. First career selection, beating out Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays and Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. Well, you know what I was thinking why I had a hard time answering that last one or filling in there is because I thought this was a part of the show. You know how when you go see a band 
and like the guitarist comes out and does like a 30 minute solo or the drum <laughs> solo or something like that. I thought this was your solo part. And oh, okay. I was over here, you know, talking to the roadies and uh, yeah, to or getting something to drink. Now, this one, this is a first career selection, first rookie uh, to win Jeremy Pena of the Astros. Wow. Double playoff MVP and a gold glove winner. And he beat out the guy he replaced. Yeah. Carlos Correa. And then uh, Xander Bogarts was also a finalist. So I think for the Asterix, definitely an upgrade for, you know, letting Correa go. It costed them less and they got more bang for their buck. Definitely. Yes. And then uh, left field, Stephen Kwan. First career selection of the Guardians. Another rookie. And he beats out two guys who had played for, who played for two teams over yes. the season. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, who played for both the Royals and the Yankees. And then Captain Caveman himself. Captain! Brandon Marsh, uh, who played, who qualified with the Angels, but then also played in the National League with the Phillies. And then for center field, another guardian, first career selection, Miles Straw. A former asterisk as well. Yes. And then uh, Cedric Mullins from the Orioles and uh, Michael A. Taylor from the Royals. Uh, also finalist, but uh, not quite as good as Miles. And right field, first career selection of the Astros, Kyle Tucker. It's the gold glove in right field. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., who split uh, time between the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. This season and Max Kepler from the Twins were uh, the two that uh, he beat out uh, for the gold glove. And then in utility, the guy who won, he's a Yankee, DJ LeMahieu. This is his fourth career selection, but he beat out somebody that has had just a great season, had a great season with the Angels and somebody that was always Seem to be our player of the week, Luis Renjifo. Yes, he definitely uh, put a mark on the world with his play. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised DJ got it, but uh, I would I would not been surprised at all if uh, Renjifo, if Keefe, as they like to call him there, had got that uh, with Merrifield who's put time with the Royals and the Blue Jays uh, was the other finalist of the three. So let's, uh, that's it, right? Let's move on to the National League. Yes. In the National, National, I can't even say it. In the National League, uh, Max Freed of the Braves, third career selection, third consecutive win, beating out Tyler Anderson, and Corbin Burns. From L.A. Law? Yes. The guy, he Burns. was, well, he played third base in the movie Major League. Oh, but we're talking about pitchers. Yes, we're talking about pitchers. 
and uh, yeah, so not him. Okay, catcher. All those guys. So we'll move. Yeah, we'll move to catcher, shaking things up a little bit. Uh, Three finalists, and uh, that would be Travis Darno from the Braves, Tomas Nito, got it from the Mets, but it's a Philly who walks around, walks away with the Gold Glove. JT Riamuto of Midwest City, Oklahoma, second career selection. Grab that. And uh, yeah, he did a lot. He's one of the main reasons the Phillies got where they are. Yeah, um, he's really a good uh, captain of the field, you know, as that catcher. He, he just he just knows. Now, this is also this is something that is exciting for the Diamondbacks because they rarely win anything. Um, but first base, Christian Walker, first career selection and win. Beating out. Former Diamondback first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, and uh, Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman's replacement in Atlanta. Yeah. And if you notice, Freddie's name ain't on there. No. But that's all right. Freddie Freddie played well and uh, had a great season regardless of what happened. Another team that hasn't seen a lot of uh, metal is uh, the Rockies and second base, uh, Brendan Rogers, his first career selection uh, with other finalists. He takes it over Jake Cronenworth and Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals. Uh, at shortstop, uh, a couple guys who were in the playoffs, Hassong Kim was one finalist. Uh, the the winner was at was a uh, was a uh, in the playoffs as well. Uh, the other finalist Miguel Rojas of the Marlins, but it's Dansby Swanson from Pride and Prejudice and um, and Wuthering Heights and a whole bunch of other um, some Jane Austen novels and Emily and, Bronte uh, and, and Bronte <laughs> all the Bronte sisters knew right. and wrote about Dansby. Um, he picks up his first. Uh, as a uh, at shortstop, his first gold glove. Yeah, and then we move to the outfield, and Ian Happ of the Cubs is first career selection gold glove in left field. Other finalists were David Peralta, who I had forgotten he had was a Diamondback, but then he went to the Rays. Totally forgot about that. And then Christian Yelich, of course, of the Brewers. And I, I'm pretty sure that you skipped third base. Oh, did I? Because, I did. <laughs> because you just <laughs> you were mad. I but, was. Well, why? Why we don't? This is just a this third base. Tenth career selection, tenth consecutive win. The one and only Nolan Arenado. But that's why I skipped over it. <laughs> interestingly enough. His replacement, full-time replacement, the guy who's actually really replaced him because his cousin couldn't do it. Right. Uh, Ryan McMahon is another finalist. And then the Sunflower Seed King of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Brian Hayes. He How also, about that? See, and so he was over is to- it okay that he eats them while the play's going on? Apparently so. Yeah. 
He is a he was a gold glove finalist. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan McMahon, it's nice to see him there because he's one that I've talked about over this past season as being, you know, somebody on the Rockies that has really made an impact for that team, especially because they got Chris Bryant. He was in the outfield. Um, Chris Bryant can play third base, but he never did. And most of the time he spent his, you know, season on the wheel. So yeah, kudos to uh, Ryan McMahon for being, you know, a finalist. But oh, yeah, I just skipped that one over. Be- keeps on turning. <laughs> because. Don't know what I'll hurt tomorrow. Oh, my oblique. Oh, my oblique. And the wheel is turning. You just got a sneak peek. Season four. <laughs> Of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast (laughs) opening for our Wheel of IL, one of our favorite segments. All right. So center field, I would think this would be the one that you would jump over. Yeah, let's just not even talk about it because we'll we'll talk about two of the finalists from the Nationals, Victor Robles and from the Diamondbacks, Alec Thomas. And then who cares who won? Yeah, in the end, it was a Padraig Trent Grisham, second career selection. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, we get a Dodger who gets a gold glove right field, Mookie Betts, sixth career selection for Mookie. Um, Other finalist, Juan Soto, who I really when watching him play did not think he think he was gold glove caliber this season. You know, what's funny is, is that they only mentioned the Padres. They don't mention the, uh, the, the nationals. It is forgot. I guess. And then funny enough, uh, all of the, um, the right field golden glove uh, finalists were all national league West. So Mookie, Juan, and Dalton Varsho from the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So if they uh, could only hit, maybe they could score some runs. It seems like they got defense. They've had a couple of guys. They had two outfielders that were um, nominated. And Dalton Varsho was also nominated not only for right field, but also as a utility player. That is true. And once again... The Estelle Getty Award for Utility Gold Glove does not go to Dalton Varsho or to Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals, who both of those guys were nominated in other uh, at, in their regular positions and utility. That's right. Uh, it's Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond's teammate. Yeah, first who gets career the selection. Estelle Getty. Uh, right. First career, first career. Well, how do they say that? You know, first nomination, first career win. Yes. And the first gold glove goes to. Yes. I think next time when we do this, uh, we should do have envelopes, maybe make a video of us doing our own presentation. There you go. With the envelopes. Envelope, and I'd please. like to have somebody come out with a briefcase. Oh, that would be cool. Maybe we get Planet Head yeah. to come out with a briefcase <laughs> and open it up and hand us the 
Yes. We should have our own little award show. We that could could. be fun. That would be fun. Every year the players get together and uh or they don't, but they still all vote uh for the MLB Players Choice Awards. And this season, uh they uh, they did it again. They didn't it wasn't even an oops, they did it on purpose. And this year, we'll start off with the top player of the year and outstanding American League player uh, goes to Aaron Judge. Um, No surprise there. I'm shocked. (laughs) I can't believe it. I'm sure he was, too. I could see him putting his hands on the side of his face, looking around like, what? I can't believe this. Maybe he did. I don't know. He he seems pretty humble, but. And then uh, the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award goes to Francisco Lindor from the Mets. And uh, he had a bounce back season this season. He had a hard time last year, but this season he did this. And the one big thing about that, not just having a good season, but uh, Francisco Lindor um, has been involved in a lot of charitable uh, projects in his community, both in the U.S. and in Puerto Rico. Uh, he's uh, gone down there to help recovery from natural disasters, committed financial assistance, including $50,000 after Hurricane, Hurricane Fiona uh, hit the area. And he serves as an alternate association player re- representative for the uh, MLBPA. Uh, the Marvin Miller Awards presented each year to the player whose leadership most inspires others to higher levels of achievement. And then another huge award that goes to somebody who um, uh, gave his career up uh, in order to um, help make it better for those who followed him, and that would be Kurt Flood. He uh, took on a historical judicial challenge to baseball's reserve system in the 70s. Like I said, that led to him being pretty much blackballed in baseball. Uh, And it led to the the establishment of free agency. This year's Kurt Flood Award winner that is uh, by a nominating committee comprised of seven former and current MLBPA executives is Steve Rogers. Who pitched for the Expos from 73 to 85. I remember him and uh, has been a tireless advocate for players' rights for almost 50 years now, both as a player and an MLBPA executive. Uh, we already told you who the American League outstanding player was. Who's the National League's outstanding player? The Cardinals' first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt. And he will probably also be. Um, a nominee for this year's uh, MVP award. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk Most a little definitely. bit about that in a couple minutes. Uh, NL Outstanding Pitcher. Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. You know, I I didn't realize this, but he had six complete games this season. There's no other team that had six complete games. No. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to think 
you know, major league high, six complete games, 228 two thirds innings pitched. Um, he lasted at least eight innings in the 14 starts this season. It's the most by any major league pitcher since Chris Sale did it in uh, 2016. He did it 13 times. Um, yeah, it, and it's crazy to think a major league high six complete games when back when we were, you know, young and watching, we're still young, but uh, when we were, you know, in our grandparents' living room and they had 20 complete games, the pitchers, and now we're excited because he has six. Right. But Yeah, not a whole lot of complete games there, but uh, this year he had the most. Uh, the Braves had a couple of guys that could get this next award, the NL Outstanding Rookie. They had uh, Michael Jones, the second. Yep. And uh, and then the guy who actually got it, the stash. Mr. Mustache himself. Yes, Spencer Strider, 11 and 5, 2.67 ERA this season, struck out 202, only allowed 86 hits in 131 and two thirds innings. So, um, yeah, the mustache has replaced the pearls. The National League Comeback Player of the Year, another brave. Uh, be a Ronald Acuna Jr. who came back uh, from a torn right ACL uh, just prior to last year's All-Star Game. Finally made his way back and proceeded to uh, hit 15 homers and still 29 bases over 119 games. That Comeback Player Award and... The AL's Outstanding Pitcher Award goes to the same guy. Yeah, Justin Verlander, 39 years old. He missed two seasons because he had Tommy John surgery. Um, he led the American League in wins at 18, ERA 1.75, uh, led in whip, opponents OPS, opponents batting average, hits per nine innings. Um, his ERA was the lowest by an AL pitcher. Um, starting pitcher in a full season since Pedro Martinez. So another guy, definitely Cy Young Award candidate, I'm sure. And then uh, the last of these uh, player choice awards is the AL Outstanding Rookie. And this guy's definitely going to be in there for the MLB Awards. Uh, the Mariners, Julio Rodriguez. I feel bad for him because they call him J-Rod. Yeah. And being assist, associated with anything something rod is probably I, I not good. I don't like it. But, but maybe he'll make us forget about that other rod. Actually, I have because he's now J-Rod because the other guy is a fraud. That's right. That's right. But anyway, yeah. Julio Rodriguez really put a good put together a good season, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Major League rookie uh, leading in homers, total basis, slugging percentage, and OPS. And he was uh, the third rookie after Chris Young of the Diamondbacks and Mike Trout to amass 25 homers, 25 steals. And, of course, he had a great, uh, a great run there during the home run derby. And the Mariners were so impressed by that that they gave him a contract extension. Yeah. Yes, they did with all kinds of 
if you do this, you get this. But if you don't do that, we get this. That's right. We get your soul. The devil went up to Seattle and he was looking for a soul to steal. Anyway. Uh, well, I think that because he won this award, I think in that contract, there's something in there. I mean, I don't know about the Players' Choice Awards, but I think if he wins if Rookie he wins of it, the Year no, overall, okay. I think he gets some kind of bump in his salary there. Yeah, so. we'll just walk by him and run into him. Yeah, into and, him. and uh, money will fall out. Right. <laughs> if, if he's fast enough to pick it up. I think that's what they should do. Uh, if you do this, we're going to put you in one of those money machines where the wind whips it around and yeah. you grab as much of it as you can. Whatever you can, that's your bonus. Yeah. I think that would be more fun. And people would watch it. Oh, yeah. I would totally watch that. That could really bring up ratings for MLB. Yes, it really would. What right, they should got- do to get that going, Home Run Derby Whoever wins the home run derby after the derby, you know, they give them all the stuff, put them in the machine. You got a the whole, whole crowd there cheering. Yeah, but wouldn't it be crazy. fun to do it at the end of the season just to kind of extend out the season a little bit? We could do the same yeah. thing. The winners of each of the awards for yeah. like the MLB, the big awards, rookie of the year, manager of the year, Cy Young and MVP. They could all go in there. And we could go from there. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah, I think we need to work on this idea and get it get it written up and sent yeah, off the headquarters. Red Solo Cups and what was our other one that uh, nobody listened to? Uh, there were so many. Yes. Uh, so next up, we're going to talk about, and it'll be our last awards for the, uh, for the day, uh, just so we can get ready for the big awards next week and wrap everything up uh, as far as the season, put a, put a, a bow on it, I guess, whatever you want to say. Uh, but this time it is the silver slugger awards and those have just been announced. They were kind of the last ones to get announced. Um, so let's, uh, let's start it off and let's go through who grabbed a silver bat. We had the gold or golden gloves, silver, silver in, so, <laughs> silvery, silvery sluggers. Why can't they be like platinum, platinum sluggers? I like that. I like platinum sluggers. Yeah, because somebody put this together, silver slugger, because they wanted to, you know, the way. It, yeah. But I think platinum sluggers. Yeah, they that. wanted the alliteration. True. That was it. So let's uh, let's fire it up. How should we do this one? Well. This one, we're just going to go around the diamond. All right. Well, I guess we'll start at first base. And why don't we go uh, the junior circuit in the American League? Nathaniel, don't call me Nate. Low. The Rangers' first win. He had a breakout year for Texas. 27 home runs, 76 RBIs. And he set a career high. In home runs, RBIs, batting average, slugging percentage, uh, on-base percentage, OPS, total bases. So, so practically every every category. Category. He said a, uh, <laughs> and then uh, no surprise in the NL, it is Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, no surprise there. This is his fifth win, 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, he previously won in 2013, 2015, 2017, 2018, and now he is back. He also uh, won the Hank Aaron Award for uh, the National League's top offensive performer this year. So he did uh, great, batted 317, 35 home runs, 115 RBIs, and led the NL in slugging percentage, OPS, and OPS. Plus, all right, second base in the American League, it's the tiny one, Jose Altuve, with his sixth win, which is interesting because I know during the season, obviously, he hit 300, but then when it came time for postseason, he did not look like a silver slugger at all. I guess so, that could be said about a lot of players. Um, That's true. Like a lot of Dodgers. Yeah, the the whole lineup. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, yeah, he hit 328 home runs on the season, and that takes us to a first time silver platinum award winner. I mean, slugger <laughs> award winner, uh, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. The, the Mets. yes, the Mets. Um, he won the NL batting title. He was battling it out with Trey Turner. Um, but, uh, or Freddie uh, Freeman. Or Freddie Freeman. That's right. Yes. Uh, 326 average this season. And he set out the last game. So Freddie had to go like five for five or whatever. Yeah. To get it. Yeah. They were playing that one. They knew what they were doing. Sneaky anyway, nets. he also uh, led the majors in doubles with 39. Uh, so uh, congrats to him. Uh, how about shortstop? A newly minted free agent, Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox with his fifth win. This is his second straight silver slugger. Like I said, it's fifth overall. A 307 average, 377 on base percentage, which led all of uh, shortstops, qualifying shortstops. And then the National League winner? This is a guy don't really know much about. No, this is Trey Turner, who uh, also a free agent. We've got that shortstop class this year, but uh, 21 homers, 100 RBIs, 27 uh, stolen bases this season. He was the only shortstop who had 20 homers and 20 stolen bases, and he was the only one to score at least 100 runs. And he bettered his RBI total this season by like 30, I think it was. Yeah, crazy amount. Yeah. All right. And then uh, we'll go to, uh, I guess, third base and the American League. This one, I don't think is really a surprise. Jose Ramirez of the Guardians with his fourth win, 29 homers, 20 stolen bases this season. Um, he's the only third baseman that had a 2020 season. And uh, he has accomplished that feat seven in the last seven seasons. Um, wow. So. Pretty incredible. All right. The NL winner goes without saying. So the outfield. <laughs> yeah, we already know. We don't, we skip over the NL winner. Of course, he had a goal. He has went, won the golden, the golden glove. And now he has won the platinum slugger. I think he has platinum gloves. So he has um, uh, 
Silver and gold, silver and gold. <laughs> That's right. Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals, fifth win, finished with 30 homers, 103 RBIs, 42 doubles, and he had a 533 slugging percentage, which was the best by any player in his position. Yeah, so we don't really need to say a lot about that. That's what Moving I said. On. It goes without saying. Why do people <laughs> say that? It goes without saying, and then they still say. I still, I, I have, well, you, you didn't say, I said. Uh, yeah, I, hey, and it goes without, uh, it goes without saying, or, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you this. I think that's just going to become the thing. Um, anytime, anytime Nolan Arenado is mentioned, goes without saying, I don't have to tell you this. We'll come up with some more. There we go. All as we prepare for our fourth season. But. <laughs> The next guy who uh, gets a silver slugger here uh, in the outfield, um, I think it would be a bigger surprise if he didn't. Definitely. He had. Yeah. I mean, setting an AL record, 62 home runs this season. It's the only one. I mean, it goes without saying. No, <laughs> it's Aaron Judge. If he hadn't won the Hank Aaron Award as well as the ALs, top uh hitter um i would say yeah it, that one's okay we already know move on yeah but uh, yeah set that record and uh 133 i mean 131 rbi scored 133 runs it was just a uh, a great season for aaron judge uh, a rookie getting his very first silver slugger we talked about him uh with the uh player's choice awards yeah, Julio Rodriguez. Yes. He's also J-Rod. Fine. That's right. <laughs> we can call him that. Yes. 28 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 147 OPS while leading the Mariners. And we'll see where they, you know, their post, their, what, first postseason in how many years? Oh, 21. 21. Yep, 20, yeah. 21. <laughs> He also became just the third rookie with at least 25 homers and 25 steals and is the first one since 2012 when our next winner did that. And that would be Michael Nelson Trout. (laughs) Yes. Ninth win. And this is, I guess, maybe for me, this was kind of a surprise um, because he did have injuries. He played 119 games, but he still managed to hit 40 home runs this season, um, which, you know, was second to Aaron judge in the AL. Uh, but you know, he was on pace to hit 54 or more if he can stay healthy or he yeah, could at least have 50. Been. Yeah. So yeah, good for uh, Mike Trout. Cause that, you know, he, he's had a cup, tough couple of seasons and this one, you know, he was out, but he was back. And when he came back, he really came back in a big way. He did. He came back hard and fast and proved to everybody that he was not done after the uh, announcement that his back injury could be, uh, something that could keep him out for long term. All right, let's go to the National League outfielders. Uh, this first one we're very familiar with. We talk about him a lot, and that's Mookie Betts. Wins number five. Yeah, 
Um, also, we talked about him earlier with the gold glove, and now he has a silver slugger. So five silver sluggers, six gold gloves. He's going to have to be, build a bigger mantle He's because like, he probably uh, also has the bowling trophies on right, that mantle. The bowling trophies, an MVP trophy, and a few other things yes. up there. Uh, what do they get? They just get the ring, or do they get little replicas of the um, the piece of metal? I they think they the, might get replicas. I was just wondering about that. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, a first-timer on the list from near, but not close enough. Uh, they weren't playing horseshoes or hand grenades because they didn't get close enough to win in a uh, World Series, but... Kyle Schwarber does pick up his first silver slugger with 46 home runs on the season, uh, 10 stolen bases, including, uh, well, that doesn't include that, but he did get a stolen base that got everybody a taco and uh, career best in runs scored and RBIs. Also had 21 doubles and three triples. Crazy. And then uh, finally, a guy who split time between two teams. And they mentioned it this time. Yes. Unlike on the gold gloves. Juan Soto, who spent first part of season with the Nationals, second part with the Padres. This is his third win. He did struggle a bit with the Padres um, when he got traded, but he still led the majors in walks with 135. And... Um, 401 base on base percentage also had 27 home runs, 25 doubles and an 853 OPS between the Nats and the Padres. Now let's go to catcher. And this, the American league winner uh, is I think a surprise for me. I don't know who would have else would have won it, but when you see him, you kind of think this guy's just what? And then, and then you see him play. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, and I that, think when you see him, you think softball league. I That's what I think. <laughs> he's in the beer league, all right. But. but nope. He, he, no, he's a silver slugger, Alejandro Kirk. Yep. I call him the barrel. I don't know what they call him anyplace else, but he's a solid round guy. Uh, he uh, His batting average was at 285 on base percentage at 372 63 walks he only struck out 58 times he walked more than he struck out that's like from days of old numbers oh yeah that is crazy to think he only struck out 58 times and he was only um one of six qualified hitters to have more walks than strikeouts uh juan soto alex bregman uh luis arise Stephen Kwan and Yandy Diaz all had more walks than strikeouts. And then the NL winner, we were singing his praises uh, earlier in the show. JT Real Muto. Yeah, JT. 22 home runs, 21 stolen bases. And he's he's just the second catcher in uh, AL and NL history. With a 2020 season, the last time that happened was Pudge, Ivan Rodriguez in 1999. And you and know, then, too, I didn't think about this. I mean, it's Silver Slugger looking offense, but obviously the base pads. 
Um, he was caught stealing only once in his 22 attempts, uh, which I didn't really think of him as a base stealer, but apparently he no, really pretty, is. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe he knows as a catcher, he knows how that system kind of works and he used it to his advantage. I think so. I often, I often think about that, like the catchers, the knowledge that they have when they're at bat and then on the base pads. Right. They really do have a command of the whole of the diamond. For sure. All right. Uh, we're to designated hitter and uh, who? Who, who, who of the designated hitters from the American League found their way to a silver slugger? This guy's really not a surprise, but it is his first win. Yes, we know that he was a Dodger, but he's now an Astro, and that would be Jordan Alvarez. Jordan. Jordan Alvarez. (laughs) He ranks second in the majors in slugging percentage at 613, an OPS of over 1,000. Only Aaron Judge had a, uh, a better OPS. And so he, uh, he edges out um, Shohei, who was up for that uh, award as well. And then the National League winner was another guy who uh, split time between the Nationals and the Padres. Yeah, teammate. I guess you could say of the former team and now their new team, Josh Bell. Yep. He uh, hit 301 over 103 games with the Nationals. And then uh, he went to the Padres. He only hit 192 there, but, uh, you know, it all evens out. Had a 422 slugging percentage, 17 home runs, 71 RBIs. I like Josh Bell. I do too. Yeah. He's a cool guy. He looks, he's just cool. And then uh, finally, the uh, utility player. Uh, this I think this is the first time they've given it to a utility player. And uh, let's start off with uh, the AL winner. Yeah, AL winner comes from us from Minnesota. The Twins, Luis Arise. This is his first win. Um, he also earned his first all-star selection uh, this season. 316 uh, batting average, and uh, he was at first, he was at second, he was at third. Didn't matter because when he was at the plate, he was hitting. 38 appearances as a designated hitter as well. Um, yep, he uh, he really showed his worth out there and uh, made a name for himself this season. And then finally, another guy who spent time with two teams. One of them being the same as Josh Bell and Juan Soto. Yeah, that would be Brandon Drury, who was with the Reds and traded to the Padres. This is his first win. He had 28 home runs over 138 games between the Reds and the Padres. Um, 263 batting average, 87 RBIs, 87 runs scored, 31 doubles. And uh, again, this guy, he was at first base, second base, third base, shortstop and right field and... Also, 26 times he was a DH. He pinch hit five times and he pinch ran. So he was everywhere. Johnny on I the think, spot. I think one time Bob Melvin got thrown out and Brandon Drury was the um, pinch manager. Yes, I think so. I remember that game. 
Yeah, that's so three you... Padres. I think that they lead uh, the Silver Sluggers with yeah, the most. Yeah, I, I think so, too. So congrats to all the Silver Slugger Award winners. Uh, next week, like we said, we'll uh, we'll talk about the uh, the big four awards. And then uh, we have a couple others that are kind of hanging in there. The uh, um, The all MLB team we'll talk about next week as well as the award season continues. Right, time to put the tarp on the field. Time to start uh, doing all that uh, off-season winter refurbing, refurbishness stuff that uh, that they do to get things ready for next season. Uh, I know a lot of places they pull up the uh, the turf and they redo the the dirt. Maybe even bring in new dirt. I know Anaheim does monster truck stuff on their in their stadium. While they have the turf up and then put it back. So whatever happens at yours, uh, I guess it doesn't matter if we put on the tarp this time. So next week, like we've been saying, we're going to um, talk about, we'll talk not only about who won the awards, but who was nominated for each award. And then we're going to, uh, that'll be how we start things off. And then we'll put a wrap on it, talking Dodgers, Angels, and around the league, uh, around baseball into what's been happening and maybe even some ideas of what we can expect with other teams based on the rumors and really get the hot stove turned up. Hopefully it'll be a really burning hot, hot stove because there are quite a few players that uh, will be like Aaron judge who knows what could happen there. So we'll talk about all that, give you all the updates then in the meantime, you can still find us in all the familiar places. And why don't you tell them where, where I serenade them. Tell them where they can find us on social media. We'll be seeing you. You can find us on Twitter at Sibling faces. Rivalry BB without the A. And on Instagram and Facebook at Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. We also have a website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. I don't know what else to sing, so continue on. And there's some Fanatics links, and you can get great gear if you're an Asterix fan and you want to get World Series gear, postseason gear from any of the teams in the postseason, and the biggest sporting event coming up FIFA Cup soccer is coming and you can click those links and get your favorite fanatics shirts, hats whatever it may be right there on our website we'll be seeing you in all the familiar places assaulting your ears with Dumb songs and stupid phrases. Also, 
<laughs> we do have one. We'll have one last. We're going to try this again. We're going to do one last giveaway with one of our favorite players. And I think we're I think we might do it on one of those familiar places, but we'll let you know. For sure. And if you are a World Cup fan, uh, that starts on November 20th. And if you've seen the commercial, Santa, a.k.a. John Hamm, uh, started out being really upset that they were trying to muscle in on his territory. But now he's having a good time with lots of gifts. And like you said, find him at Fanatics through the SRBB link. We'll catch you next week for the final episode of Season 3. In the meantime, don't forget to swing away. Thank you.